BFG people, hello and welcome to Blockchain Insider. I'm Mauricio Magaldi and this is episode 169 and I'm joined by my amazing co-host Kai Sheffield, head of Crypto Visa. How are you doing Kai? I am fantastic. Excited to learn today. Love the insights. Awesome. So good to have you with us. In this Insight Show, we're going to be taking a look at the film industry and the impact of Web3 in it. We've covered design, we covered music as NFTs, how they change the space, and you know how this changes art itself, and now how it changes film, how Web3 is going to impact the film industry. The film industry and the Hollywood machine have been known as a rich man's playground, with power dynamics showing Hollywood often favors the rich, and more often than not, men. Will Web3 be able to bring on a new era of inclusivity, diversity, and equitable compensation for filmmakers? To dig into that, we're joined also by our guests, Rich Lollikar, co-founder and CEO at Superworld. Welcome to the show, Rich. Good to have you here today. Tell us a little bit about Superworld and your role in it. Sure. It's a pleasure to be here and, and uh, wonderful to be able to share more about our vision at Superworld. So what we're building is a virtual world on top of the real world. We're in it right now. Superworld is a virtual world in augmented reality, what allows anyone to create, discover, and monetize anything around them in real world locations. And then we've divided the world into 64 billion properties of virtual real estate. If you buy a property, you become a stakeholder at that location and benefit from all of the activity that happens there, advertising, e-commerce, digital commerce, data analytics, gaming, DeFi. Literally, we're building a world together and with the mission of empowering people and actually enhancing humanity. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. We also have Alvina Khalid, Director of Growth, Blockchain Marketing at Film.io. Welcome to the show, Alvina. A little bit about yourself and Film.io for us. Thank you. Thank you very much. So uh, Film.io is... Uh, we're aiming to become the most powerful decentralized filmmaking ecosystem. So what it does is that it replaces uh, film industry centralized control with decentralized, inclusive uh, decision making by the fan and creator community. So what this potentially means is that on the Filmio platform, every movie and television project is submitted by its creator as a DAO proposal. Um, and fans and creators um, who are potentially the DAO members can help support this uh, platform by staking the fan tokens to it. Awesome. And last, but by no means least, a return by Camilla Russo, founder at The Defiant and executive producer of The Infinite Machine. Camille, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? A little bit about yourself and what you're up to in the film industry. Hey, uh, thanks so much for, for having me again. So about, about myself, I'm the founder of The Defiant. Uh, the, the Defiant is the best source for Web3 and DeFi information. I'm also the author of The Infinite Machine. Uh, the Infinite Machine was uh, the first book published on the history of Ethereum. It was published in 2020 by HarperCollins. It's now become uh, the most read, the best rated uh, book on Ethereum. And it's being made into a movie. Uh, produced by uh, Scott Free, that's Ridley Scott's production company, and Versus Entertainment. And we are uh, planning to fund uh, as much of the budget as we can 
uh, with an NFT collection that uh, I'll be happy to go into. Awesome. So with that, let's jump right in. So let's start from the beginning. Uh, let's explore what the traditional film industry model looks like and maybe explore a little bit of the contrast of what Web3 can bring to the table. So, uh, Rish, I know you have a background uh, with, with some of your co-founders in production, uh, in film production. So, can you give us a little brief idea of what's the dynamic of the industry right now? What's the funding like? What, you know, how these works? And also a take, your first take on what's uh, the upcoming contrast to what Web3 is kind of in the horizon. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so my uh, previous company uh, that I started prior to Superworld is a production studio in Hollywood. My co-founder uh, produced Call of Duty, uh, Modern Warfare series, and Ghost. My production partner is Michael Bay, the action director. And so there, what we do is create new original content franchises that go across feature film, television, gaming, virtual reality, all the way to amusement park rides and toys. And really the thesis of that company is that, you know, linear entertainment, um, you know, film, television, and interactive entertainment and immersive entertainment is really coming together in the sense that, you know, you can create uh, a, an asset in Unreal Engine and take that asset across linear interactive or immersive entertainment. And, and you know, the, the customer is interacting across all those platforms. And so there's an opportunity for creators, for directors, producers to build new, uh, you know, IP that really from the ground up is going to be monetized and going to be distributed across, you know, all of these different mediums. And so as developers and producers and, you know, technologists, I think we have an opportunity to think very holistically about all of these mediums. And that's really where the metaverse comes into play is, again, we're able to bring in content in, in Superworld as an example um, that, again, allows us to experience any type of content, linear, interactive, immersive, in real world locations, you know, work, you know, again, um, you know, interact directly with avatars, uh, be able to, to purchase uh, NFTs or memorabilia or collectibles from, uh, a, a new film that's coming out or a new video game that you're going to play or be able to be immersively again, engaged with the story before you actually maybe go to the theater. And so I think that what's really exciting here is that the production aspect, the financing aspect of this, the, you know, the customer consumer engagement aspect of this um, are creating this very powerful, perfect storm of opportunities. And I think it's the really, you know, uh, the, the, the producers and directors and creators that are willing to kind of understand this opportunity and embrace Web3 and, uh, you know, get in front of uh, the technologies here can really kind of benefit from what the metaverse is bringing to the overall uh, ability to tell these stories, which again is the most important part of uh, really enjoying any any piece of content here is examining and understanding and kind of empathizing with characters. And to be able to do that across multiple mediums at the same time, I think is really changing the game in the industry and also reducing the cost of producing content because we're able to, again, create content in an engine 
and be able to monetize in so many different ways. And so again, as you think of the financing aspects of this, you're able to really kind of demonstrate the, the, the ROI um, as you go out to investors and, and kind of, uh, you know, go out to, to raise the capital necessary to, to go out and tell the story. So I think it's, it's again, very exciting. And, you know, again, happy to uh, have this discussion with, with the other guests here to kind of dig into this subject, but it, I'm very excited about what the future holds here. Cool. And Alvina, it is a capital intensive industry, right? And, and, and funding is not necessarily available to everyone um, in, in the industry. Um, how do you believe that the, the kind of crowdfunding aspect of the financialization of digital assets would help uh, this industry to become more accessible to different types of investors? Right, exactly. So it's not just, you know, one part of, you know, the process. They have different opportunities to get access to these kind of funders from NFTs to DeFi loans to crowdfunding and all of those different aspects uh, you know, it helps remove those barriers to entry that, you know, a regular creator has um, in, in the traditional industry compared to uh, Web3. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the, the first time I, I crossed paths with film NFTs, I was reading something about the Infinite Machine, no less. <laughs> so, Kami, can you explain a little bit what prompted the idea of doing a film about Web3 or, or an infrastructure of Web3 in Web3 terms? Yeah, so um, to me, you know, when I started receiving uh, different kind of inquiries about turning my book into a movie, uh, I, I decided to go with Versus Entertainment because they offered me a chance to actually be an executive producer in the film. And so to me, it was exciting to be a part of the production process itself. Uh, and that paid off because as we were discussing you know, the very early stages of how we would actually finance this film, the idea was to, okay, this is going to be the first movie about Ethereum. And hopefully our, our vision is that this will be the first mainstream feature film about crypto. So think of something like the social network, but for crypto. And so for this kind of great moment of taking crypto and Ethereum and kind of this message of decentralization to the mainstream, we thought it was important to do it with the, you know, Web3 community in Web3 terms. So, you know, this would be a movie about crypto. And so it doesn't make much sense that it's produced in kind of the 100% traditional ways of production when we have the, the means of integrating the community into the process. So that's kind of where the inspiration came. And so, you know, this was beginning of last year. NFTs were really kind of picking up, it became clear they were a very powerful tool for creators. So that's how we decided let's, you know, let's make uh, an NFT collection around the film to uh, give the community a chance to help us uh, finance this, uh, this movie without having to lean as hard into kind of the traditional uh, funding means. So we created this collection together with uh, 36 artists from emerging nations. I'm originally from Chile. My crypto story is very much tied to the time I was uh, covering markets in Argentina with Bloomberg News. So for me, it was really important to bring in uh, artists from Latin America and from emerging nations where 
crypto really has a chance to save lives, like like change lives. Um, beyond just like, you know, improving finance and making it more efficient um, and, you know, speculating like it is in the first world, in the developing world, crypto can really like make a huge life-changing impact. So that's why it was important for us to bring in these 36 artists and create this collection around the Ethereum logo. And with the NFTs themselves, besides providing this amazing art uh, from this amazing art artist community, the, the idea was to have the NFTs be like a backstage pass into production for holders. So NFTs beyond being a vehicle of fundraising are a way to involve the community and NFT holders in the production process itself. So the idea is that NFT holders become members of a DAO and the DAO has an, an executive producing role in the movie so that NFT holders are able to have a say on how the movie is made. And on top of that, there's a Easter eggs attached to some of these NFTs, which give you different kind of perks related to the movie. So some of the NFTs carry the right to be included in the credits. Others uh, allow you to be an extra in the film. Others invite you to the premiere of the film. And others invite you to visit kind of the shooting of the film. So this was kind of our way to uh, have the NFTs as a tool of fundraising, but also involving uh, the community in kind of the, the entire process. So it's it's definitely an experiment. And yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And hopefully, you know, other projects can learn from this and um, and just like you said, as as an inspiration going forward. Yeah, I've I've always been fascinated how like crypto and NFTs, you know, give you access to almost like dream jobs that people might have had as a kid <laughs> that like just never worked out. <laughs> like most people will not be a full time film producer. Most people will not be a record label executive. But a lot of people like film and they like music. And so just the opportunity in your spare time as a hobby to be able to say, you know what, let me make like one decision in this film that then when I go watch it, I can have some creative ownership. Uh, so maybe Rish, can go back to you of like, how does the production process of creating content change when you lower this barrier to entry that a teenager can learn Unreal Engine and start creating some cool content? And then you could have a community of people emerge around that content and start to make decisions. Like, is it more customer centric production versus like, you know, you have one director who just knows what people want and makes a, a kind of unilateral decision around what content is is produced. Yeah, you know, I think it's a it's a really great point um, uh, by both of you on that subject about lowering the barriers to entry to get into the space, whether it's financing or creation or being able to, as you said, kind of mod content and and uh, put your own fingerprint on uh, on what's being created. Um, and and so you know, I, I think what's what's really exciting is that not only does the medium of immersive, interactive type entertainment uh, enable us to, again, um, be able to, to potentially change the storyline uh, to a piece of content uh, based on our interaction. But, you know, again, the, the, the cost reduction of creating that content 
enables us all to potentially shape content that we're creating because it's done in a in a in a much more um, efficient way. Um, it, it's done in a, in a way that it's very decentralized, even sometimes in terms of content creation, as we know, in terms of, you know, what we are already seeing in terms of user generated content. And I, and I think that what it enables us to do is create content that is very globally marketable because we're all able to, to be involved in, in that creation. And, and as you said, could be very customized depending on geography or market or, you know, uh, demographic that we're, we're positioning that mar- that content for. And, you know, I, I think that the future of this is you're going to be able to be able to participate not only in content creation, as you said, whether it's through buying an NFT and being able to, again, help to shape what that content's going to be. But I think you're going to have this kind of choose your own adventure type format as well. So when you are watching a piece of content, you might be able to, again, uh, go down different paths, depending on kind of, you know, what you're interested in. And, and there's going to be a lot more possibilities because more people are going to be involved in that content creation. And then, um, you know, again, you're, you're the, the exciting thing is in terms of monetization, there, there's going to be a lot of different end pathways as well. And you're not going to be able to, you know, necessarily have a piece of content go stale because there's going to be a lot more variety there in, in terms of that content. So, you know, I think there's in a variety of ways, not only from financing, from monetization, from the experience side, from the storytelling side, that these technologies are going to enrich the whole process. So very excited about that. And it's going to enable all of us, as you said, to be involved in that storytelling and that creation process, which again is, is very exciting. Yeah. I, I wanted to go back for, for a minute, just to like, when you're making decisions around a storyline, around a plot, like maybe Alvina, like how do you balance having many people you know, many cooks in the kitchen and this kind of democratized, decentralized, like if you have a DAO that's trying to make a movie, like, is it just there? It's, it's too hard to manage and do because you have too many people making decisions. What is that, that balance between letting people be involved, but still have some you know, direction that, that isn't too decentralized? Yes, of course. So, of course, all of that comes from, you know, government's power. If you're talking about DAOs in specific, so there's the more token someone has, the more government power they have. And then this is this is why it's not like, you know, not every single person will have equal, you know, um, if, if I ha- hold more tokens, then I will be able to have greater government power and be able to make better, you know, or give more suggestions that are likely to get accepted. Uh, sure, of course, you know, there's always, um, you know, conflicts and different difference of opinions and uh, what you bring forward. But I think all of this just comes down to, um, you know, helping the creator improve this entire journey. You know, sure, you will get a lot of different opinions, uh, but you it's really up to the creator how they can pick and choose and, and optimize, uh, you know, the, the, the entire content and then put that forward to the same um, fans who actually voted um, the, the same content. And then, Cami, like, it's really interesting that you're starting with a Web3 process to create a film about Web3, which like it's the audience that obviously is the, the most early adopting and, and willing to, to participate. How do you see this translating 
outside of you know the core Web3 crypto audience. Like, do you see this as a way to bring, you know, if this is going to be a feature film, it'll introduce more people to what Ethereum is in the first place and to the process around how it's made? And how close are we from like a Disney movie that has nothing to do with crypto employing some of those same mechanisms around selling an NFT and giving access to be able to to have input on the movie? Yeah, I think that's, that's a great question. I think, you know, it, it's, I think this is the way to start. Like, of course, Web3 filmmaking and, and experiments will start within the Web3 community about the projects that are related to, to them. But I think, you know, as these projects are successful, other creators and other projects that are unrelated to Web3 will start to take notice and realize, you know, these are tools that uh, can work for us too. So I think, you know, this is, this is just the beginning and it'll, it'll serve to show, to set an example for, you know, all sorts of uh, types of movies and, and industries. But I think that the way to do it is, you know, obviously going to your target audience to, to start. And I think this is, What's really cool about about this process is that when when you start with this NFT community, it's you're building an audience for your film before the film is even out, like before it's even been produced. So it's like you're turning that whole like production process on its head a little bit. It's like you start with community first, you get them involved in the process, you you form this link. Uh, with them so that when the movie is, is actually out, you have this kind of, you know, big group of advocates that, uh, that are already invested in, in the film and, and can just, you know, provide you a, a lot better distribution for it. And, and just like a, a, a fan base that's like ready made. So I think that's, that's really interesting about this process. And I think, you know, it can be replicated with, Really, any kind of uh, book or or brand or you know franchise has, that already has a strong community. So, you know, like comic books or you know games, uh, I think are a really great candidate for that. Like all, all these industries that that have like really engaged fan bases and communities, I think will be the the kind of the next ones to adopt NFTs or, or Web three tools as production and funding mechanisms. Yeah, it, it seems like it, it lowers the risk to knowing, like, will customers actually want this if they've been willing to go in and, and buy an NFT and hang out in the Discord. We've seen this with, with Micah Johnson and, and Aku, where it's kind of built this loyal community of people who have participated and then has been able to go out to Hollywood and say, hey, I've got you know, people here who've spent money on an NFT of a short story. Now let's develop it into something else. And exactly. uh, Mauricio, how, how do you think about, like, Will other NFT projects, like existing IP, do you think uh, that you know, Yuga and others will be successful? It seems like they're kind of going gaming first and is kind of, does it, is there an order of NFT, game, then movie? You know, do you see other routes of you know, NFT projects that could go you know, directly to a feature film and be able to cross this bridge and, and, and bring more people in? I think we've seen in the traditional sense um, both ways, right? A game that turns into a successful movie franchise and then a movie franchise that turns into a game. But what I think is most interesting now is portability. 
if I'm a participant, say, of the Infinite Machine as an NFT holder, and I go behind the scenes, I can, you know, all of these uh, Easter eggs that Kami mentioned, and then the RPG game of the Infinite Machine comes out, and I, as an NFT owner, have a special character because of that, then I'm able to port across different mediums all of these experiences because I hold one NFT. That's the only privilege I have. But now I have this immense realm of entertainment at my disposal, and that brings a lot of value to me as a, an NFT holder. So I think brands, studios, game development um, agencies are in the verge of a big breakthrough if they embrace the portability. Uh, if they see portability as being, oh, this is emptying out my IP or um, I'm creating competition for myself, then their users or holders are going to be left out of this amazing opportunity, which is my, I own my entertainment everywhere, which is kind of, you know, if you, if you really extrapolate, is really mind-blowing. How does this change like monetization, and you talked about this this a bit of like, if you could create an infinite story paths with the same set of content that it could go down, do you see like, instead of just selling tickets uh, or you know a subscription you know, to a, a service to watch it on, will there be like programmable, you know, advertising platforms within it? Will someone be bidding on whether it's Coke or Pepsi shown in this scene you know, as I watch it? You know, could I, you know, if I'm watching something with my daughter, you know, change the name in the movie to her name so that she's excited about it? Like, how do you see opportunities for people to participate and monetize content, you know, particularly if third parties can actually shape the content that people are viewing as they as they watch it? Yeah, you know, I think it, it's, uh, there's, I, as we all kind of experience as, you know, sometimes we want to be more passive and sometimes we might want to be more interactive with a piece of content, uh, whether that's watching a linear film and we just want to watch and, you know, we're, we're excited and don't know where the story's going or we want to help shape that story. I think, you know, again, depending on where we are and um, what we're doing, there might be different kind of reasons you'd want to do one or the other and or, or maybe even a mix of both. Um, again, as we talked about NFTs, you know, there's ways to to get involved here that potentially are, you know, prior to any of this being developed or produced, and then things that we can even do afterwards, after we've watched a piece of content and some kind of takeaway or something that we can benefit from afterwards, maybe for the sequel or something. And so, you know, I, I think back to your question, this enables us to not only have more agency with uh, the content that we're participating in, but could have that flexibility. It enables us to, uh, on the advertising, uh, marketing uh, aspect of this, as you mentioned, bring in brands that might more uh, align with my values or you know something that I'm more interested in, and switch that out for something you know if someone else is watching it. It can again bring a piece of content to become you know, more globally marketable because maybe they have, you know, certain characters or parts of the story that might identify with a place that, you know, I, I am a, I am a, as a viewer and I'm, I'm, I'm located in. And so, you know, I think that the, the, the power here is that engagement really can increase in a variety of ways based on, 
you know, w- what my interest is. It's, it's very, as you said, customer centric. Um, it's very viewer centric, fan centric, because it, it enables me to have so many different options and so many different levers that can be, you know, turned on and off depending on what my interest is being very passive or, or more interactive. Uh, and then also increases the, the monetization potential there because if 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 I am interested in a brand and 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 that would engage me more if that was in in the piece of content than another that story could be shaped by that brand or by you know my interest and so again there is there is a lot of complexity to this right but I think that's where it's going to go I mean I think that you know things are going to be a lot more programmatic about content in general I mean you think of if you watch a YouTube video and you watch an ad, those ads are, you know, becoming a lot more engaging um, by definition. And as we go into 3D immersive environments and you add Web3 into that and you, you become a fan or you become a collective member of a community, that engagement because of the opportunities for flexibility in terms of content creation can be a lot more impactful. So I, I think that's that's what um, is is really uh, I think going to be transformative here is the modifications that are possible are going to make this content a lot more engaging. Okay, so now we're going to take a couple of minutes to reel in our sponsors. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Visa, one of the world's leaders in digital payments. Crypto has opened up a new world of possibility, and Visa is helping everyone take part. Visa enables commerce across their network and crypto networks through solutions like Fintech FastTrack, a quick and easy way for crypto innovators to issue payment credentials. Join us in this new money movement. Learn more at visa.com forward slash crypto. Here at 11FS, we believe in explaining FS without the BS. That's why we created our 11FS Explore series, weekly videos that break down a complicated financial services topic into something everyone can get their head around, such as on-ramping, buy now, pay later, the cost of living, ESG, stablecoins, telematics insurance, and inclusive design. Search 11FS Explores on YouTube now. Welcome back. Now that we've explored all of these, it's time to look into the future. So although we're seeing a lot of novelty in ways uh, of funding and even owning film, distribution is still the same. So there is still a lot to explore and expand on this industry. So I'm going to start with you, Alvina. What are the two things you think are going to blow everyone's minds as Web3 weaves into the film industry? Yeah, definitely. So I think the number one thing, first of all, is uh, another technology that even we are bringing in film.io is AI matchmaking. So this is where, depending on the filmmaker's type or interest or genre or geo preferences, they can actually connect with investors, licensees, distributors and networks so they don't have to go ahead and do all that tedious work and finding the right distributor or, or investor for them. So it's just the algorithms and the AI that's doing all the heavy lifting for you. So that's number one. Uh, and number two, I think um, although we are seeing a lot of, you know, 
artists adapting to you know nfts and and the web3 but you can actually i can actually see it improving in the future as new nft movies or uh you know new web3 filmmaking companies open up good I'll pass it on to you kami what do you think are going to be the two major things that are going to blow everyone's minds when we say now we'll have web3 on film <laughs> So I think the, the, the main ways that Web3 is going to impact uh, the film industry is uh, increasing access. And I think, you know, that's something that Web3 is doing across industries. And we were, we've seen it in the financial industry first uh, with DeFi. And now uh, Web3 is going to start to disrupt uh, different uh, creative areas, uh, including film. So providing greater access to, uh, to financing uh, for movies that I otherwise wouldn't get funded in by the traditional sources, uh, as Alvina was saying, uh, pro providing more access for uh, distribution to filmmakers that would, would have trouble uh, getting these, uh, these, these connections and, and these means. So uh, in general, I think uh, we'll, we'll be able to see a lot more diversity, more creativity, and just a lower barrier of entry for creators to, uh, to enter the film industry. Uh, so, so that's, That's a, a huge one for me. And then number two is goes uh, in line of what I mentioned before, the, the fact that now the audience is not going to be passive any longer. They're, they're going to be a lot more involved in the process from funding to hopefully down the line, uh, the, the actual kind of ownership and royalty distribution will be more straightforward. Now it's not because of security's concern, but I think with more regulatory clarity, that can be, you know, maybe solved. And so audience may, uh, hopefully will be able to actually have actual ownership and, and royalty share from, from films and, and be involved in, in, in the production process itself is, is, is super exciting. So I think kind of those, those two things are, are the, the main ones for me. Good. Rish, what do you think is going to tell us that we've made it? Yeah, you know, it, it's exciting because it, the, this industry and technology is, is evolving so quickly. And, and so it, it's, I think it's going to have so many dramatic impacts. Um, I think number one is, is uh, you know, as was stated, financing um, is going to become a lot more uh, fan engaged. So you can create early traction before you've even produced something because I think everyone's involved in the creation uh, process as well as, um, you know, again, you're bringing stakeholders that can demonstrate that there is, you know, traction for a piece of IP before it gets produced. Um, number two, I think that the beauty of, of the technology is, you know, especially if you look at non-fungible tokens is content itself is um, in, in many ways, especially the way it's evolving, non-fungible. You know, these, these scenes or very specific pieces of content are unique. And therefore, uh, I think that there's um, a, a, a variety of kind of very uh, native ways as you look at uh, any piece of content to, again, utilize the technology to create monetization potential interactivity Uh, AI generative type uh, mechanisms there. And so as we discussed earlier, 
Um, I think this technology is going to be infused into a variety of parts of the actual, you know, content that's created. And again, this is cross-platform from film, interactive, immersive, merchandise, you know, every, every part of this process is going to be infused by, by Web3. And so um, I, I think that really kind of, uh, again, um, creates this strong community it very intrinsically um, in, into um, not only the process, but the end result. And so I'm very excited about seeing kind of how that evolves. Awesome. Kai, what, what would be your take on these? Yeah, I, I'm really interested in the future of, of token-gated content. Like, will there be some type of like Robin Hood meets Netflix where, you know, you can own an NFT that's kind of like a membership for either a director or a show where you get to get, see all the seasons, but there's only, you know, a thousand of those NFTs. And so if you don't own one, you want to watch it, you have to buy it from someone else. Like, will that actually work? And I think in, in general, it's it's the question of will there be these existing large platforms that are able to bridge over to Web3 and integrate NFTs and tokens, or will it be brand new streaming platforms that you know have this built in from the beginning? I think there's going to be a lot of innovation and, and excited to, to see what happens. So I'm a financial services guy, so don't hate me for this, you all directors and artists out there. I think... When we think about the tokening lifecycle, I think we will see at some point these film NFTs that are attracting royalties be used on a secondary market to be used as collateral. I think that's going to be unlocking a lot of opportunity as well for NFT holders is that because they have a cash flow associated with the NFT, they might be able to put that as collateral forth to some other financial structures. So I'm very curious of how these things are going to play out because that's the, um, I know this is weird, the financialization of everything, but this is how, this is where we live. This is Web3, right? We're, we're, we're being able to enable that now. It, it just, just needs to, you know, solve someone else's problems. With that, we wrap up today's discussion. As a quick reminder, just to let you know that the views of our panel are their own and not necessarily the opinions of the companies that they represent. Thank you all so much for joining. Where can people find you more about you and your companies, Alvina? Sure, so you can definitely hit on um, Twitter, film.io underscore official. And we recently launched our Discord, so make sure you join that. Um, as all the Discord members can have access to the new platform that's launching real soon. Awesome. Thank you. Rish, how about you? We're easy to find. We're at superworldapp.com or superworldapp anywhere on social media. If you want to come and help us build a world that improves people's lives and build a better world, come and find us and uh, contact me directly. I'm really easy to find Rish Lotlikar. So I'd love to talk to you. Thanks again for having me. Thanks, Rish. Kami. Yep. Uh, so you can follow me at Kami Russo on Twitter. Uh, follow the Infinite Machine NFT collection at ETHMovie. Uh, on Twitter uh, and find, you know, all of the latest mints and uh, news on the collection at theinfinitemachinemovie.com. Thank you so much. How about you, Kai? On Twitter at Kai Sheffield and visa.com slash crypto. Thank you. And as for me, you can find me at 0xMauricio on Twitter, Mauricio Magaldi on LinkedIn and 11fs.com. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We have lots in the works, and we're so excited to be talking about crypto and blockchain with you again. 
If you can wait until the next episode, take a look at the many previous episodes and get yourself properly immersed in the world of crypto. And if you really love it, please leave us a review. It helps us make it better and helps other people find the show. As always, if you want to join the conversation, find us on social media, just search for 11FS or Blockchain Insider or email us at podcasts at 11FS.com. This is all for today. Stay rare, stay weird. LFG.